0: This is Dominique Hill, and I'm coming to you today with one of our esteemed faculty here at St. Mary Mercy Hospital uh, Emergency Medicine Residency, uh, Dr. Sarah Shackle, who is also an MSAP board member as well. Wow. Welcome, Dr. Shackle.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: She is going to be talking to us about an interesting hemophilia case that she had. So tell us a little bit about how this patient presented, Dr. Shackle.
1: So this patient was a gentleman in his 50s coming into the emergency department for evaluation of altered mentation. When we evaluated the patient, he was noted to have a visible facial contusion that appeared to be subacute in nature. The family explained to us that the patient had fallen a week or two before, and in fact, he had been seen and been evaluated in the emergency department. At that time, the family had not told us that the patient had hemophilia, so that was unknown. When I saw the patient, actually, the family thought to mention that he, in fact, had hemophilia, so he tended to bleed more because of this. At that point in time, decision was made to get a CT scan of his head. Okay,
0: And then uh, how did the case progress from there in terms of your uh, workup?
1: So what we did was as soon as we found out he had had hemophilia, and in fact, before that, we were planning on getting a CT of his head. Knowing about the diagnosis expedited getting the CT scan, we also checked some basic blood work, including blood count, electrolytes, clotting times, and making sure we had a type and screen on the chart. The other primary things that I asked the patient's family initially was if they knew how severe his case of hemophilia was and if he had ever required factor in the past and and whether he had ever been told he had factor inhibitors. And this is important, and we'll get into that when we discuss the hemophilia.
0: Okay. Now, um, what ended up happening to this gentleman when you got the results of the CAT scan?
1: Yeah, the CAT scan ended up showing some subdural hematomas. Um, As a result of this, I discussed the case with our hematologist, and we discussed giving factor. Unfortunately, many hospitals don't stock factor as a routine part of their um, pharmacy armamentarium. Therefore, we ended up transferring him to a tertiary care center that had factor immediately available. Okay. Fortunately, he remained at his mental status baseline well in the emergency department, and we were able to facilitate a, an expeditious transfer.
0: Wow. Very interesting case. Uh, tell us a little bit more about the background in terms of hemophilia, Dr. Jackal.
1: Yeah, hemophilia, one of the things we, we honestly, we don't see it a lot, and that's why I thought it was important to bring it to this forum. In general, we talk about hemophilia A and B, and that is an X-linked recessive disease. Hemophilia A is a lack of factor eight, and hemophilia B is a lack of factor nine. I'm gonna focus more on hemophilia A, which is what the patient in question had. We categorize it as severe, moderate, and mild disease. In severe disease, they talk about less than 1% factor activity, and these patients are more likely to be picked up very early in childhood, including in the neonatal period. The patient tends to have more of a risk of spontaneous bleed. The bleeds tend to be more severe. Again, they are diagnosed earlier, and they have an increased risk for delayed bleeding. In moderate hemophilia A, the patient has a between 1 and less than 5% factor VIII activity, and they tend to bleed with procedures or minor injury, and in general, they talk about 4 to 6 bleeds a year requiring factor replacement. Mild hemophilia A is 5 to 40% of factor VIII activity, and these patients sometimes are not diagnosed in adulthood. In the literature, they may not be diagnosed until their 60s. Sometimes they're only picked up when they're not stopping bleeding during trauma or surgery, sometimes during a dental extraction or a major car accident or trauma. Okay, and then where do these patients generally tend to bleed when they have some sort of trauma? So, so the things we worry about as emergency physicians, the most serious, we'll talk about first, and that's the intracranial hemorrhage. Um, This can be spontaneous, and this can also be post traumatic. Interestingly, it's described that hemophiliacs may have a three to four week delay before the bleeding is picked up if they don't receive appropriate factor replacement, and that does seem to be a potential risk factor for the patient. In this question, is in this case, as the patient's family said that he. Had not had a recent head injury, but did have an old bruise from a head injury several weeks prior. Wow, that is very, very scary. Yeah. Other places that hemophiliacs commonly bleed that we need to know about are into the joints and the musculature, and this is really the most common source of bleed. Um, In kids and adolescents, we tend to see ankles, knees, and elbows, and the patient can often re-bleed into a joint that has had previous trauma, that it makes it more susceptible to having recurrent hemarthrosis in the same joint. Other sites include standard sites that we treat for bleeding in the emergency department, so nosebleeds, bleeding from the gastrointestinal tract, and bleeding from the genital urinary tract. Sometimes you may see a female patient with bleeding, and those patients who are females have 50% factor activity because it's an X-linked recessive disease, so the men are generally much more severely affected. Women may have mild symptoms, and so you may see a persistent nosebleed or something of that nature in a female carrier, but in general, the females are not as affected to the level that men are affected. Okay, and now how might we work these patients up when they present to the
0: emergency department like
1: in your case? So in terms of labs, what you'll see is a prolonged activated partial thromboplastin time. Um, And so you generally wanna order coags and platelets. Platelets and PT should be normal, however. In general, we are probably not going to be making this diagnosis in the emergency department, but rather the patient will come in having already been diagnosed, and we will be simply checking to try to figure out the severity of the disease. I think a useful pearl is to actually ask the patient how severe their disease is, both in terms of if they've had serious bleeds in the past, if they've required factor replacement in the past, and how bad their prior bleeds are, just thinking that prior history of bleeds can predict their current course. Um, You can certainly check a factor activity level, and a factor activity level of less than 40% is going to be diagnostic of hemophilia. However, this is probably not going to come back in any sort of actionable time in the emergency department. I did order this on this patient, and I saw that it came back a couple of days later, but was less than 40%. Wow. One other thing to keep in mind is that some hemophiliacs, particularly with severe hemophilia, will develop something called inhibitors, which is basically an antibody to factor VIII replacement products that they've had from repeated exposure to factor VIII replacement products. So that's something that you can also check. A last thing that one can check is if you are concerned if their hemophilia or von Willebrand's disease can look similar, so you can check a von Willebrand factor antigen. However, again, this is not something that is likely to come back in an actionable measure, probably the most useful thing is actually to talk to your patient or to talk to the family about their history.
0: Okay. All good stuff here. Um, I guess let's go ahead and cruise on to the management when we encounter these patients
1: in the ER. Yeah. The, the management pearls to remember is to act first and worry about where how bad the bleeding is later. So if you have a hemophiliac patient who is coming in with serious bleeding or injury, they need to be triaged as a priority, especially if they are an identified hemophilia patient. It is helpful when patients actually share this information with you in advance. Um, Serious bleeding would be defined as bleeding um, in the CNS, ocular bleeding, anything that compromises the airway or any sort of severe trauma. And the, the action plan to take here is to give factor first and to get them above a 50% factor level immediately. So before you do any diagnostic imaging or before you do anything else, you're starting to think about giving the patient factor. For hemophilia A, the, to get the factor activity up to 100%, the dose of factor to remember is 50 units per kilogram of factor 8. And so the way that they calculate this is the patient's weight in kilograms times the desired rise in factor, so this is 100%, so the math is easy, their weight times 100, and then um, times the volume of distribution of factor 8, which is 0.5. It is much easier to just remember 50 units per kilogram. For hemophilia B, the dose is 100 to 120 units per kilogram. And again, that's calculated using the patient's weight times 100% rise in factor times 1% 0.0 volume of distribution of the factor. But again, for hemophilia B, the number to really remember is 100 to 120 units per kilogram.
0: Okay, I think I forgot that. Now what about our more minor injuries?
1: So for minor injuries, you really want to raise the factor by about 50%. So you give half the dose. So for hemophilia A, the dose would be 25 units per kilogram. And for hemophilia B, the dose is 50 to 60 units per kilogram. For very minor, minor injuries, you may just be able to get away with supportive care. So, for example, treating a nosebleed with packing or as per usual, and you may not need to give factor at all for these. You may be able to use topical agents as well. Okay. And uh, what about inhibitors? So, if somebody comes in and has an inhibitor, again, this would be something where you are partly relying on your patient or their family. And in general, these patients are knowledgeable about their disease. this would be something where you get your hematologist on the phone, and certainly if the patient has a hematologist, get that group on the phone. Um, you can check an in inhibitor level, but it's unlikely to come back in real time. There are bypass products that actually get around giving factor eight or factor nine. For hemophilia A, the two things that people generally give is something called Novo 7, which is activated recombinant factor 7A. And the other thing they give is FIBA, which stands for Factor Eight Inhibitor Bypass Agent, or FEIBA, which is an activated prothrombin complex concentrate. Um, most hospitals, if they're going to stock something, will have FIBA, but not every hospital will, stack, will stock these, and I think it somewhat depends upon the size of the hospital that you're working at, and likely also the, the patient population in the area and the prevalence of the disease. Some patients with mild hemophilia may be able to be treated with DDAVP, and that can raise factor eight levels two to four times. Um, in general, this is something that may be done as a test dose as an outpatient in preparation for surgery, dental extractions, or things like that. It is probably not so useful in the emergency department setting. The last thing that we talk about is is if you don't have these factors, can you give cryoprecipitate or FFP? And the unfortunate concern is that you need an awful lot of cryoprecipitate to get the patient up to 100% factor activity. So each unit of cryo has a minimum of 80 units of factor VIII, and that's by definition. So if you're trying to get a 70-kilogram male up to 100% factor activity, you're talking about a very large volume of cryoprecipitate on the order of over 40 units of cryoprecipitate. So that is something that it seems very unlikely that your blood bank is going to have available. Yeah, that Um, does seem like a lot. Similarly, FFP, you run into volume issues if you're trying to get up to suitable factor 8 issues. So that's really why when you look at the literature, they talk about giving the factor-directed replacement. Wow, this has been very, very enlightening, uh, Dr. Schaffel. Now, if you were to uh, summarize this... What are your key points from today's yeah. uh, podcast? So the, so the key points for hemophilia, as soon as you know that the patient is a hemophiliac with an injury, particularly a significant injury like a hit head injury, you want to categorize this patient like a priority one, the same way that you would assess a patient on a blood thinner with a major head injury or a major trauma. They need to be seen right away. The next step is to, Give them the appropriate factor replacement as soon as possible, and that takes precedent over everything else. If Sometimes a patient may need to be transferred to get factor replacement. Sometimes a patient may have their own factor replacement available to them that they give themselves. Sometimes you may be able to get the factor delivered to you, and this is all institution dependent, and you need to figure out what is fastest in your case. Then you want to do the diagnosis. So if it's a head injury, you want to do an urgent head CT. After that, you need to figure out the disposition. So if it was a relatively minor injury with a normal scan, so like a very minor injury in a kid who bumped his head and they got their factor replacement, they may be able to go home from the ER. However, you should have a low threshold for monitoring or or observing any patient with a more substantial injury like a major car accident or a more major head injury or substantial fall from a height. Anybody, obviously, with an abnormal head CT is going to come into the hospital and just a low threshold for anyone who is not acting like themselves in this situation to be monitored for symptoms of delayed bleeding. Wow, this has been a
0: lot of great information, Dr. Shackle. Thank you so much for sharing this information with us and also your case. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to this uh, case cask with um, myself and Dr. Shackle, and we'll come to you again another time. Thank you so much. Bye now.